to Criminality Podcast, where we really believe that loving reality TV is not a crime. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I had to really work through that. Did you see? <laughs> there was some hand motions, but I really, I was proud of you the whole time. I almost got a little tear in my eye. We did it on the first take. Amazing. We're, get, we're getting this. Just 14 episodes in, nailing it. Nailed it. How are you? You had a, a busy week. You had a big conference. I and did. I know you won't say this. I want you to share about it. But Melissa was invited to speak along with her co-host Mandy from Moms and Murder at the Podcast Movement Conference, which is really like the biggest podcast industry event of the year. So yeah. it's a big deal. And you were asked to speak on a panel. So I want to hear anything you want to tell us about. Okay. Um, it was in Nashville this year. I've never been to Nashville. Nashville is pretty cool. Kind of wild. I've never been either. Actually. Oh my gosh. The downtown area. I know this isn't what you asked me, but my sister and I went downtown and it's like nothing I've ever seen. Just it's, there's so many people. Like I was like, Oh, I want to go back to my room. But, um, <laughs> it was very busy, very active. It's the number one place for bachelorette parties. So that's the vibe. I get it. Lots of booty it's shorts and trucks with Miller lights passing us by the whole nice. time. Yeah, but everybody was having a good time. Um, so yeah, Mandy and I were asked to uh, speak on a panel at Podcast Movement. It's my first time going to Podcast Movement, and uh, there was just so many resources there. We checked out a couple of other panels, and um, it was neat to learn from other people. It, it's always like one of those things where you're like, well, I kind of... First of all, you know, I don't do any of like the big social things because I'm not that social, but because you're uh, you. <laughs> yeah, because I'm I'm me. And I skipped out on Questlove, who was there for a big iHeartRadio party. I know. It's a little disappointed to I know. That, but that's okay. Well, here's I, you what do they, you. they said there's going to be a lot of traffic because there's a Grand Prix thing. And I'm like, oh, traffic plus people? Can't do this. Yeah, this is too that's much. That's a deadly recipe. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I'll just watch people's videos. And that's what I did. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. It was nice to get away. I was away for four days. My sister and I got to take in the city. I brought her with me and, and we did like a day of, you know, Nashville stuff. It was really cool. That's so fun. I'm glad that you got away and had fun and that it went well. It reminds me your response to Nashville, my response to Austin this year for CrimeCon. Yes. Similar vibe. I probably saw a dozen bachelorette parties downtown the 6th Street where everybody hangs out in the bars. I uh -huh. actually had a full on, I'm calling it meltdown, but it was a borderline panic attack because sure. it was like my first time in a crowded space like that yeah. since the pandemic. But um, but cool city, just like Nashville, like lots of music. So it's good to see new places. It is. It was one of those things that I, I had wanted to visit, but if I didn't, I would have been okay. But I really enjoyed it. It was really great. Yes. Great food. Amazing food. And that's really well, all that, that matters. That always helps. Absolutely. That's like worth the, the whole shebang. It's worth the people. Yeah, even the people. <laughs> And Rebecca, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. Nothing really to report, which is just fine. Great, with me. yes. Yeah, just kind of getting through these last few weeks of summer. I know your kids started school today. Today, mine, my high schooler doesn't start for weeks, and uh, my daughter, who's going to college, goes next week. So Aww. I'm kind of just taking it one day at a time. But we're busy prepping, and I'm trying to just spend as much time with her as I can. Where are you on your Homeland rewatch with her? Oh, pathetic. We're, well, we're at the middle of season four. Oh, actually, you're doing pretty good. She's got this job I work super <laughs> annoying and getting in the way of our plans. But, um, and you know, we, we found we have a two episode cap in yeah. one sitting. Like, she's like, let's go all night. But then you actually watch two and we're both like, we need a break. Yeah, yeah. It's um, intense. 
it's so intense, but honestly, reliving it through her is so fun. And her reactions to Saul and Carrie and yeah. Quinn, she has so many feelings about them. And oh, I love it. So oh, yeah. oh, we're nice. definitely not going to finish by next week, but um, we're going to do our best. Yay. Oh, that'll be really cool. That'll be like when she comes home, you guys can catch back up on it and stuff. That's a great idea. I will lure her home with our showtime. There you go. <laughs> and I will not give her my login when exactly. she goes away. Exactly. Keep her coming home. Well, how about we get into today's story? Speaking of new places. I'm so excited and have absolutely no idea what's going on this week. Yeah, I could have made this a lot easier, but you know, I went a little on the obscure route on the clues. I and like it. I guess I was thinking, is this our first time across the pond? It's not because we went to Paris with Kim Kardashian. Right off the bat. Right. But we are going back across to the UK. So I want to tell you the story of a British couple that you might have actually heard about. Their names are Charles and Diana. But no, <laughs> I see your <laughs> face, face. Like, and it is not that Charles and Diana. It is Charles and Diana Ingram of Derbyshire. Derbyshire? Okay. Derbyshire. <laughs> you don't know how many times I've said Derbyshire alone <laughs> in my mirror. Like, I wonder which one is the most right. And the voice recordings don't help on Google. No. No, they don't. Because they vary too. And it's a robot voice. It's a, robot, it's a robot voice trying to teach you. It's terrible. So to any British listeners, I love you. Please love me. <laughs> <laughs> I am doing my best. Um, and I won't do an accent this whole episode, though I'm tempted. So Charles and Diana, this Charles and Diana are a very normal, middle class, maybe slightly upper middle class couple. Charles was a major in the British Army where he served as a peacekeeper in Bosnia in the 90s. But he also had, uh, he went to university for engineering. So he had that background. Then he got his master's in corporate management. So he wasn't on active duty at the time of the story I'm going to tell you. He served in the British Army in a business and engineering capacity. Okay. I know very little about the military, if that's not already very clear. <laughs> I'm always like, but if you're not a soldier, what do you do? How are you in the army? But like, he had a job for that. Okay. Army. Got I think it. people will get that. Yeah, yeah, they'll get it. Be people know more than me. So his wife is a teacher and they met while in university together in Wales. They were married and his wife is Diana, of course. They married in 1989. They had three kids. So we have a school teacher and a high-ranking officer in the army, and there wasn't a lot particularly unusual or even special about them except one thing. They were very into quiz games, which is what the Brits call trivia games. And you know that's kind of close to my heart as a right. pub trivia host. They were regulars at their local pub for trivia nights, and particularly Diana. She was super into it. She would go with her brother, who I think was more into it than her husband. Her brother's name was Adrian. So they would go weekly, and they were very competitive about it. So when this TV game show called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire debuted in the UK in September of 1998, Diana was paying attention. Now let's take a pause here to talk about this game show, yes. Melissa, how familiar, I'm sure you know about it, but like, what's your relationship with Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Loved it. Watched the first several seasons, always knew who would be my lifeline and who wouldn't be my lifeline. Always thought people were idiots when they didn't use lifelines or oh, felt like a genius. Sweet. Yeah, I was very aggressive with it. Um, I really loved it and watched it for several years. It's one of those, it comes out and everyone's really hyped about it and then it almost gets played too much and then you kind of go away with it. Yeah. 
But I, I love fizzles mm-hmm. for sure. Did you ever audition? Did you ever call the number? No, I didn't. But I did uh, stand in line once to try and get on Wheel of Fortune uh, whenever they came to our town, but they never called my number. So did my mom. My mom and my brother tried to get on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire through the phone and they did the Wheel of Fortune thing too because they were so good at it. Oh, I wasn't good. It was just a Sunday and I didn't have kids. So So what else would you do? Exactly. But, (laughs) But try your hand at it. Well, before Americans got swept up into the show like we did, it premiered in the UK, like many great shows I've learned. And while most of us are now familiar with this premise of who wants to be a millionaire, it was actually very revolutionary in terms of game shows at the time in 1998. It was created by TV producer David Briggs. And when he pitched it to ITV, ITV is like the big TV network in the UK. It started like in the 50s to rival the BBC who dominated most of what people were watching. Right. So they came out to be this like people's choice network kind of feeling. That's my interpretation. So when he pitched it, he had this very specific vision for a competition show that was different from what viewers were used to. He was basically like, okay, instead of a duo or a team, we're going to put one person up at a time. And we're going to give them the question with multiple choice answers, one of them being right, which is actually sounds like it's going to be super easy because usually on a show like Jeopardy, you're, you have to come up with the answer. Entirely. Right, right. Then we're going to take away the time limit and players are free to leave at any time and take the money they've previously accrued up to that point. And we're going to help them through these lifelines and that will engage the audience as well. And biggest of all, we're going to do it for the biggest prize ever, one million pounds. And the TV execs were like, so we're going to make it easier to give away more money more right. often? <laughs> like, no. But he was really insistent that this would work and that it wouldn't be easy at all. He was like, picture it. And he's like doing this, well, I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. like giving this big pitch about the rising tension and how the music and the lights would be done in a different way to create this almost disorienting environment. Right. So he said this will actually be super high stakes because it's basically gambling in a way. Like, do you risk it all and keep going for more or do you take what you've won and go? And that's such a universal feeling. Like most people can relate to that feeling, right? So he felt like this would be great TV. So that he wanted the lights and the music to all be a part of it from the theme song to the pulsing drum beats while the players there actively deliberating. It would all evoke this feeling that we'd never seen on TV before. This was new. And if you think about it, game shows up to that point were super well lit in this studio. Yeah. Upbeat, kind of hokey music, like real like dun, 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 dun. do that again. Not like that, but like <laughs> dun, 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 dun. like Wheel of like not Wheel of Fortune. Um Price is right is what I'm picturing. Right. Just kind of like cheesy. And this was gonna be cool and dramatic and unexpected. So ITV says, let's go for it. They brought on Celador, which will be important later, a production company that came on to produce the show. And the only change that Celador made to the show is the name. It was actually going to be called Cash Mountain, (laughs) which is like, that makes sense. Like a heap of dollars is kind of a fun idea. But um, fortunately, they changed it to who wants to be a millionaire because that really grabs you and it's hey, me, like who doesn't, right? Right. Cash Mountain sounds like an old game show and this was a totally new show. (laughs) I would like to face the rock on top of Cash Mountain. That's what I'm picturing. (laughs) That could work. That could work. With his little guitar singing with his mom. I could get at least $20 for that, I think. (laughs) Put it on the vision board. Okay. (laughs) 
So Who Wants to Be a Millionaire premiered in September of 1998 with popular UK TV personality Chris Tarrant hosting. Now he, you probably maybe have seen him in like images of the UK who wants to be a millionaire, but like he seems to be our Regis Philbin from RIP. What I understand. Yes. Early ratings were huge. From the get-go, it was pulling in 19 million viewers a night, which at that point in 99 was huge and record-breaking. Now, Celador had created other game shows and kind of lighter variety shows, but nothing like this. And they would this was their breakout hit, basically. Right. And they would go on to do many more things, but they would always be best known for creating Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So, Melissa, it debuted in the UK in 1998. Any idea when it came over to our dear land of the Americas. <laughs> um, I believe it came over to our dear land of the Americas in 2001. That's a great guess. Uh, it was sooner than that. It was August 99. Less oh, than we a said year. We're stealing this. <laughs> exactly my thoughts. I'm like, just less than a year for America to get their grubby little hands on a good idea. <laughs> um, so we had it very quickly after. I think that also speaks to the massive success that it was. Yeah. That we over here were paying attention. Of course, as we mentioned, our host, our original host would be Regis. Um, and after a few years, the show would air daily, mm-hmm. which I forgot that it was on during the day. Like it used to be this very primetime evening event. Right. Then it became this everyday thing. I think that's when I petered out of it. Yeah. But, um, the hosts included Meredith Vieira, Cedric the Entertainer, Chris Harrison. I did not realize that. Our bachelor no. guy. Terry Crews. And Jer- Jer- I wrote, I was going to say Jeremy Kimmel. You know, Jeremy. Jeremy Kimmel. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel. Um, So we really have the UK to thank for this show, of course, The Office, and probably a million others. So a moment of of gratitude to the Brits. So back to Diana and Charles. Diana was hellbent on getting on the show. As we mentioned, you and I kind of had a, if not, we didn't ever audition. We never picked up the phone, but we kind of had like, oh, this is who I'd call for a history question. I remember thinking all these things like that. Okay, so Melissa, if you recall, before you got into the hot seat to play, you had to be in the fastest finger competition, which is where the predetermined contestants were all sitting on the sidelines and they're answering one, they're all answering the same question and whoever put in the answer fastest got into the hot seat. Right. So Diana, teacher alert, designed and crafted a DIY fastest finger box at home so she could practice. And did she ever practice? Diana eventually did qualify to be on the show, as did her brother Adrian, and both of them made it into the hot seat, and both of them went home with a respectable 32,000 pounds. Wow. This would be just months before her husband Charles would eventually get on. But this wasn't enough for Diana. She felt she'd learned a lot by being on the show, just being in the experience, seeing how it all worked. But this was not enough for Diana, so she decided to do something. She did two things, actually. She started writing a book with all the hacks, tips, and advice she could think of that she'd learned getting on the show and then while taping the show. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. And then she started signing up her husband to get on the show, who had more of a take-it-or-leave-it kind of attitude to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So she's like, if I could train him... Which really is what it became. She was like his trainer. Like if you can imagine like a, a couple, you know, being like up every morning, like they did 20 minutes of fastest finger competition. They were constantly oh just like gosh. she made him read all these pop culture books and watch movies because that was his weaker areas. 
So he should have called us. I know. We should have been his phone a friend for that. Dream team, because he would take all the science and math questions. I'm not Obviously. assuming you're bad at those, Melissa. I'm just assuming you're like me in those situations. <laughs> well, you know how much I know of the other stuff, and you have to know that my brain can only handle so much. So it's a fair assumption to know that those aren't my thing. Something has to be shoved to the side. Something has to give, which is an American movie that took place in the year. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And it was not based on a UK predecessor. <laughs> so the day finally happens. Charles qualifies to be on the show. He makes it into the hot seat on September 9th, 2001. And what happens next becomes one of England's biggest reality game show scandals and the real story behind today's episode. Now, I need to say, I know a game show is not technically a reality show. However, I felt it <laughs> fell under the unscripted umbrella. Absolutely. So I went for it. But the best part is there are reality shows coming. We're just going to have to wait a minute. Whoa, so okay. That blew my mind and was when I knew I had chosen the right episode, which is not always the feeling as you and no, I no, both no, know. No, no, no. <laughs> it is rarely. And actually, it's more scary when you think this is a good one because oh. then- if something's going that well, you're just waiting for the shoe yeah. to drop. So there's always time. <laughs> so let's go back to the night in question. Charles is in the hot seat. And to be honest, he's not even playing great. He's like bombing easy questions and what most people would consider very easy base level questions. He uses two of his three lifelines by $4,000. And yeah, so everybody's watching kind of behind the scenes like, well, this guy's a goner. Right. But he runs out of time. You know how that happens sometimes and they have to come back the next night. So he leaves with this $4,000 win and one lifeline left. And the producers, the host, everyone's kind of like, he's not going to go very far. He's going right. to use his last lifeline and he'll be out of here. But Charles had something else in mind. It's night two of taping and Charles is back. And anybody interviewed about this night says it was like a different man competing. He was bolder. He had a method, he said, and a sub-strategy, but it almost seemed reckless. He would be asked a question. He would talk out his gut feeling on it. He would say things like, I don't even know who that is, so no. But then out of nowhere, five minutes later, he would go to that answer. answer. Oh, And it was weird. And mm -hmm. But he actually was a much more entertaining guest or contestant, I should say, right. that night as opposed to the previous night. The host, Chris, would just constantly be like, are you sure? Except like funnier because he's British and he has this dry wit and he's right. totally just like stunned and like keeping up with him and narrating the whole thing and being like, remember, you know, and they're right. going through this whole thing and it's pretty wild to watch. So this keeps happening. He keeps advancing and nobody can believe it because he never seems sure and yet he keeps getting answers right. Now, unbeknownst to us as the viewer or any audience members there, producers and audio engineers behind the scenes feel like something is off, mm. but they don't know what. They just felt like something was weird and not making sense, but nothing blatant enough to stop the show or right. to intervene. So they don't alert the host and the game keeps going. They allow it to continue. And eventually Charles comes to the million dollar question. The million dollar question. Here it is. A number one followed by 100 zeros is known by what name? A Google. In 2021, most of us could answer that question. Yes. Because we have Google's, you know, the benefit of Google. Now, Google was around in the year 
2001, oh, but it wasn't. I thought that was right. the answer. It is right. Oh, yeah, okay. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I only know oh. that because of my son. I would have never Googled it. My son knows these kind of things and yeah. <laughs> I'm forced well, to learn them. Yeah. I actually didn't know the answer was Google, but a lot of people I'm learning through researching this could now tell you that that is a Google mm-hmm. because they Googled it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But or in 2001. I know my son. <laughs> exactly. Or they have a genius in their, in their life. <laughs> so Google wasn't, it was a thing, but it wasn't the thing we all use now to search things. The internet was early days. And so anyway, the question was kind of hard. The other options I think were Nanimal, Megatron, and Gigabit. So I am now going to send you a clip, Melissa. I would like you to listen to. A million. I'm not sure. However. (laughs) Charles, you haven't been sure since question number... (laughs) All he needed to do was read through the options and wait for Whittock's coded cough. I think it's a nanomole. No cough there. But it could be a gigabit. No cough there either. I don't think it's a Megatron. Neither does Whittock. And I have to say, I haven't... I don't think I've heard of a Google. 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 And there it is. The Major now has the million-pound answer. By process of elimination, I actually think it's Google, but I don't know what a Google is. And the rest of it is all acting. I really do think it's a Google. (laughs) But you thought it was a nanomole. (laughs) And you've never heard of a Google. And there's a million pounds involved. I know, but it's not a gigabit, nanomill, and megatron, and there's only four of them, so it must be Google. Um, The stakes are huge, and the Major wants to make one final check. I'm sure it's Google. (coughs) And there it is. I'm going to play Google. Yeah. Final Final answer. answer. Final answer. Charles, give me that check. (laughs) £500,000. You no longer have that. You just won one minute. Oh my gosh. Okay, right? Now, a note about the clip. Obviously, it's edited and narrated even to guide you through what you're hearing and watching. There is unaltered footage available, which I'll link in the show notes for people to make up their own minds. But I did want to include that one because people can't see... They can only hear. I think that one was helpful. So just what right. are your initial thoughts after listening to that? I don't feel like I've ever even heard on one of these shows somebody coughing, but it was so aggressive, the coughing, that it was very obvious. I mean, obvious now. It wasn't obvious then, I'm sure, but right. something's going on. But right. the fact that he changed on a dime, just he didn't even try to question them again and do like process of elimination. He was like, no, no. No, I think it might be. It's got to be a Google. It's definitely not a megabyte or whatever. Right. You just said it could have been one half of one second ago. He wasn't a good actor. No, it is cringy to mm-hmm. watch. So this moment ends with Chris Tarrant just jumping up out of his seat in my favorite moment and like hugging him. And he says, you are the most amazing contestant we've ever ever had I had to do that I know I was gonna say I was going to call you out on it but it was so good I probably not but like it was just like 
So exciting. He was only the third person to ever win the million pounds. Factor is back as a sponsor of Criminality, and I couldn't be happier. Here is one of my favorite things about Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. They're perfect year-round in all seasons. I loved having Factor meals in the winter when it was so cold and so miserable to go out, and I was happier to stay inside and heat up my Factor meal and get a warm meal. But now that it's spring and warming up outside, I'm revving up my fitness routine. So I don't want to do takeout as much. I certainly don't want to cook or grocery shop. And I'm more conscious about what I'm eating. Another perfect season and reason to get Factor meals delivered. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to eat in two minutes. You can choose from a weekly menu of over 35 options, including popular options like the one I get, which is calorie smart, but you can also do keto, protein plus, or vegan and veggie. Also, it's not just meals. They have more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunches, snacks, beverages, all kinds of things to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Head to factormeals.com slash criminality50 and use code criminality50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code criminality50 at factormeals.com slash criminality50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Spring is bursting with fresh energy. The air, our aspirations, and even our homes get a refreshing makeover. And what better time to revamp your home security with Simply Safe? It's our top choice and for good reason. Praised as the best home security system for 2024 by US News and World Report and recognized by Newsweek for its exceptional customer service, Simply Safe has you covered. From break-ins to fires and floods, its comprehensive sensors keep your entire home safeguarded. I also love that with the cameras I have in my house, I can be gone, not be able to get a hold of a kid, and simply go onto one of the cameras and look around the room and see my kid is there and safe, but just ignoring me, as you know, kids will do sometimes. And with a range of indoor and outdoor cameras, you can keep a vigilant eye on your property around the clock. For less than a dollar a day, you can enjoy 24-7 professional monitoring, ensuring prompt emergency responses for whenever you need it. Plus, Simply Safe's monitoring agents can intervene in real time, deterring intruders with the power of voice through wireless indoor cameras. But the best part is there's no long-term commitment, and you have a generous 60-day money-back guarantee. So why not give Simply Safe a try? If it doesn't exceed your expectations, simply return it for a full refund. Simply Safe has given us and our listeners real peace of mind. We want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/criminality. That's simplysafe.com/criminality. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Well, that was short-lived. The confetti fell, the oversized check gets signed over to Charles Ingram, but the producers and the legal team of ITV and Celador are investigating pretty much straight out of the Whoa. gate. Like they're like what is going on? So He goes home with his check. The team keeps watching and re-watching the night's events. And when they see it, or rather, when they hear it, the coughs, they start paying attention. Now, before we proceed, I feel like this is so interesting to research in this COVID times. And I know bringing up COVID in a podcast sucks, but a cough used to just be an annoyance. Right. an annoying thing that happens in public. They didn't have the <laughs> the ramifications they have now. Like people are so paranoid when they hear coughing now. 
Yeah. I feel like you wouldn't have even really noticed it then. Like now we are so hyper aware of every single, you're like, you're afraid to cough ever. And so I can see how back then, like I'm hyper aware now, but I probably wasn't then. Exactly. So the fact that any coughs in a large studio audience jumped out at all to the audio engineer is noteworthy because now I think also if this had happened now, we would be calling this cough gate, but um, at the time they they didn't do that. But now that you know, obviously, the story of where we are, do you remember this story? Do you remember hearing about this cough scandal, cough gate, as I prefer? So I don't remember where I've heard it from. I don't think I necessarily heard of it whenever it was happening. I think just in pop culture, I've heard it since then of like the, you know, 10 most ridiculous whatever. Yes. What is the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, like scandals, scandals, like reality. Yes, yes, yes. There you scandals. go. Scandals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Same. That's all I knew too. And for whatever reason that one of those lists grabbed my ear and I thought, I'm going to find out about this. And it is such a fun story. Yeah. So back to the team, they recognize, or they think they recognize a pattern in the coughs. They're alleged that someone in the audience is coughing after Charles says a right answer. According to the millionaire fandom site, quote, the process was rather simple. After host Tarrant read out the question and possible answers, Ingram would read the answers aloud and wait for a cough when the correct answer was read aloud. So next they had to figure out who was doing the cheat cough. I don't know what else to call that. Yeah. <laughs> because his wife only coughed a couple times during one question the whole night and the cameras were on her the whole time, but they weren't set up to be airing her reactions the whole time. Like right. They didn't always show her, but they watched her and they noticed that she did something different from most plus ones, if you will, of the contestant right. than most usually do. Instead of looking at the person they love playing right. or at the monitors of him playing, which is usually a better view, she was looking down and to her left very often. So they scope all the footage to figure out who was sitting there and who they find is Tequin Wittick. Tequin was actually also a contestant in the Fastest Finger competition And he had not yet been in the hot seat, but he was down in that gameplay sideline position. Celador cuts the tape to include every questionable cough, 19 in total, and contacts the police. With this, Charles and Diana Ingram and Tequin Wittick were charged with, quote, procuring the execution of a valuable security by deception, which I think just means lying and stealing. (laughs) Um, I like that better. we might call... I do too. I like everything they do better. Hmm. I think we would call it fraud. And this happened just days after the taping. So it's still 1999, but the trial would not begin until 2003. Wow. I know. that. So in that sense, it's just like over here. Now, all three of them, Charles, Diana, and Tequin, pled not guilty. But the British press, as you could imagine, has taken the story and run with this. So they were all being held in the court of public opinion, and they very much were perceived as guilty. The British tabloids were publishing stories about them. Reports indicate the couple could not go in public without being coughed on. And they had to eventually pull their daughters out of school because the bullying was so bad. I mean, think about it, right? It'd be like someone, you know, winning the lottery and then finding out they cheated or scammed. Yeah. People don't love that. No, no, no. (laughs) And he was being celebrated in that and people were excited for him. And yeah, oh, that's duping people like that. Not a fan. Exactly. And I think this comes up here a lot is like people love to watch someone's 
rise yeah. and really love a good fall. And For so sure. they were probably with him on that journey. Like he's one of us and he's getting it. Mm-hmm. And then boom. And so that probably felt a little good. In 2003, the trial begins. And I don't know how to say this. It's a big deal. Like they, if they did this, they right. stole. But in all the reading about the court transcripts and just there was so much funny commentary and conversation about coughs that it felt so silly to me. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is like, is this worth like a whole court case? Yeah, like yeah. Criminal court? Because they brought up coughing all the time. And what's so funny, it's like yawning. Everyone, the jurors, spectators in court, the lawyers, like coughing fits in the trial all the time. And this, because you can't make this up. There was one day where one of the attorneys like couldn't talk. He was coughing so much and they had to like end early, take a day off and like resume. Whoa. So it was just sort of like a cough gate. I'm telling right. you, and it transcends into the courtroom. So there was a reporter from the guardian who kind of felt like I did. And he asked the arresting officer, Ian Williamson, quote, come on in the end, what exactly did they do? Why didn't Celador just settle the differences with the Ingrams in civil court? To which the officer replied, this trial is about protecting the integrity of the millionaire format. Millionaire is the most popular quiz show in the history of television. Celador has sold it to 100 countries. Thousands of jobs depend on its success. And they further went on to say, if they had stolen art, gems, or cash, that would be considered very significant and right. would be criminal. And I thought, that's a fair point. I think that analogy helps me. Like if they had like done a heist. Right. It's kind of the same thing. Think well, that and you've at this point, if you've got all of these people playing all over the place, if you think I can cheat this and get away with it, that's what people are going to do. So, if they've that's, made an example of them, I can see how they would how they would prosecute. That's a great point. I think they were absolutely making an example of him and setting a precedent like right. this will not be tolerated. So the Guardian reporter, the same guy, asks Charles during the trial, what is it like to be in the courtroom and have to rewatch that episode? Because you know they played that a million times. Over and over a million times. And relive the night. And Charles replied, quote, I still get a thrill when it gets to the part where I win a million. It's a weird response. Right. right? Totally. It should also be noted that when the TV company called Charles to say he was going to be arrested and they were stopping payment on the check, he vehemently denied any wrongdoing, but didn't get upset or say, you know, how could this happen? Or I'm going to like, he just, he said, I didn't cheat. And that was kind of that. And they actually thought that was very suspicious, but you and I both know as true crime podcasters that we do not define guilt by how people necessarily behave after an incident. We do, but we shouldn't. Right. 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 (laughs) Uh, We shouldn't assign too much meaning to that. Yeah. So all three defendants pled not guilty, and the prosecution, who represented Celador and ITV, had three, I mean, there was a lot in the case, but I've distilled it down to three major pieces of evidence against them. One, the tapes, which include these 19 significant coughs that align with correct answers, which Charles had previously not known. These were real glaring examples of him completely switching and changing his mind. Two, a documented phone call between Diana and Tequin the day before the second taping. Now the call wasn't recorded. Obviously they weren't bugging her, but they verified on phone records that she did in fact call him. Tequin did not know the Ingrams. They were not friends. They only met through being in this like hot seat contenders. Right. So they really had no reason to talk to each other. So they allege, of course, that this was them conspiring to cheat. Yeah. 
The third piece is a witness named Larry Whitehurst, who was a fellow contestant present both nights of taping, who noticed the odd coughing pattern and alerted the producers. He also points to his um, his demeanor when everyone's celebrating and freaking out because he just won a million dollars. You can literally see Larry and he is grimacing like, <laughs> like he's not having it. No. So he is unhappy in that footage and he's not clapping. And of course, Charles's lawyer is like, well, why would he clap? He wanted to win. He was just jealous. At this point, Melissa, I'm going to put you in the hot seat, hot seat <laughs> if you will. This is a 50-50, um, but you can't phone a friend. Okay. If you had to answer right now, based on what you've heard so far, would you say Charles did or did not cheat while playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Just like, what's your feeling right now? A hundred percent. I think he cheated. Yeah. Yeah. I was exactly where you were. And I'm, and we'll go back to, it, it really feels like that. And yeah. it looks like that. And it sounds like that. So let's discuss the defense. I thought their attorney did a great job casting doubt on the cheating allegations. And these were, in my opinion, her strongest arguments. And again, there were, there's a lot more to this case I'm choosing. Right. Highlight reel here. So she brings in a doctor as a witness for Tequin, (laughs) his doctor, who testifies that he has suffered from a persistent and uncontrollable cough for years due to chronic hay fever and a severe dust allergy. So she puts this idea out, like, if you're going to do a cough strategy to cheat, would you bring in someone who can't control when they cough? Like that would be a pretty terrible choice of a person. True. It's risky, right? Because you could get that wrong. She also addresses these 19 coughs, points out that the video audio used in court has been highly edited by a production company. So this isn't even just like, you know, average Joe edited. This is like the best production company in all of the UK. And when she examines the audio and footage from the whole night, the raw footage, there were Here's another hot seat moment. How many coughs did they count in the total of Charles Ingram's taping? Okay, so 19 is what we heard or, or what Or were they're... considered significant. Okay, um, so let's say 35. 192. Whoa. People cough all the time. It's actually very, very common. So she was like, can we really build a case around coughs when there were 192 in total? Yeah. Pretty compelling. Third, she says that host Chris Tarrant himself testified that he didn't notice anything unusual. Like the producers, the audio guys, they did. But he was just kind of like, this is insane. Right. But nothing seemed off to him. He did not switch his thinking until he looked at the more amplified edited versions. Now, Charles himself explains away changing his mind by saying that he listened to the audience audible reactions. This was one of Diana's Mm -hmm. like hacks pro tips right usually there's like a sharp or like you can't when there's that many people in a room even when each person makes a tiny noise like that you can kind of sense that you're going the wrong direction right so when he said things like oh it must be a1 which i think is like a band over there Mm -hmm. and everyone did this like oh nope yeah he said that's what made him switch so that's Mm -hmm. how he explains that this is a really good defense like i thought so I've almost completely changed my mind. (laughs) Oh, just wait. So the Ingrams continue to maintain their innocence, of course. And the defense talks about how Charles is an engineer. He is not a stupid man. Right. And he's actually a card-carrying member of Menza. Oh, my gosh. Listen to this, though. He took the test and qualified in 2003, just a few months before trial. So clearly this was a tactic to prove his intelligence. Mm -hmm. He did not have that um, signifier at the time of the taping. But 
but he did pass. And you right. have to pass 98% of that extremely difficult test to be certified. Right. And he actually, this is like sad to me. He wore a little M like on his lapel during the whole trial. It's like his Mensa mm-hmm. signifier. And he thought it would just be like a subconscious like they'll see this. It's like a visual cue of my intelligence. And yeah. it was so tiny and the jury was so far away. Like no one noticed it. So a lot of the reporters had a lot of fun with like him wearing his M and nobody even knowing that it was there. Aw. It's sad. That if he's innocent, sad. it's super sad. Right. If he's not, it's I love like it. sociopathic. I love it so yeah. much. <laughs> exactly. So the trial lasts four weeks and jury deliberation was three and a half days. So, I mean, that's like a murder trial timeline. Yeah. That's like murdered a whole family trial timeline. Absolutely. That's a really long time. And it shows that the jury really took the job seriously. Right. And they all three were found guilty. The Ingrams were given a suspended sentence of 18 months. A suspended sentence means that they're, um, it's like deferred. There's a probation period. And if they don't break the law during those 18 months, they don't actually have to go to jail. Uh, Tequin's supervisory period was 12 months. So nobody had to go to jail. Tequin received a 25,000 pound fine and charges. The Ingrams amassed over 100,000 pounds between, they had defense costs, prosecution costs, and fines. Like they hit them with everything. Life went from bad to worse for the Ingrams. Okay, so they obviously didn't get the million dollars. Now they're in the hole 100K. They were hated and ridiculed and known as cheaters. The army forced Charles to resign. Unclear if it was an dishonorable discharge or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't verify that, but either way, he had to let go of his job. They were called names. They were treated like a national joke. Also, trigger warning for what I'm about to say, but for animal violence, their family pets were targeted and attacked in two different incidents by angry strangers who came oh, to the wow. home. Terrible, terrible. Whether they did it or not, that is so cruel. Yeah. So Charles, of course, appealed the sentence he sued Celador for producing this tape that was misleading to make him look guilty, but it was dismissed. Right. And here we go. In an unrelated incident, the Ingrams got into more legal hot water in late 2003, just after this. They were charged with further fraud offenses because Charles, quote, was found guilty of obtaining a pecuniary advantage by deception and a second charge of deception. Basically, it was an insurance claim, and he neglected to mention all these other claims he'd already filed for, right. so it became fraudulent. The team said that he actually has switched policies several times. This happened after an attempt to claim on an insurance policy after their home was allegedly burglarized. Ingram had also failed to tell the insurance company about previous claims he made before he took out the policy in July 2001. The court said Ingram was a habitual claimant. Yikes. Yeah, the prosecutor in that case said Ingram switched insurers several times over a period of years and as a result collected 30,000 pounds completely dishonestly, fraudulently. Now, the company does admit they were suspicious of him already and it was after the coverage of the trial that made them look into and formally audit and investigate all of his activity. So if that hadn't happened, he probably would never, this probably wouldn't have had such severe consequences. Ingram was again given a conditional discharge, which kind of means the same thing. He wasn't going to have to go to jail. The judge actually had mercy on him and said his financial situation was so dire he wasn't going to add to it because at this point he probably has lawyer fees. Yeah. He also said he didn't have to perform community service because Ingram made a case that the other criminals would probably bully him, his words. 
Okay. Well. So, Melissa, <laughs> given our expertise here on criminality, sure. what do you think the Ingrams did next to make a little extra money and perhaps extend their 15 minutes of fame or actually infamy? Yeah. They went on a reality show. Oh, they went on um, 36. <laughs> no, what? <laughs> Okay, they had 36 television appearances. That includes like morning TV, talk shows, every they've been on TV post millionaire scandal 36 times. But here's a couple highlights for us. Big Brothers Big Mouth with Russell Brand. I don't I'm not interested. <laughs> I, that's, a, that's a thing and they were on it. Celebrity Weakest Link Couples Edition. Hell's Kitchen. Fear Factor. Wife Swap. Ding ding ding, we've ding, got a ding, clue. Ding. So Wife Swap is a show, as I'm sure you know, Melissa, and as I'm sure our listeners know. Wait, is that a Wife Swap? That is a Wife Swap. This is King Curtis in my background. Wait, what couple is that? Tell me everything. Oh, it wasn't Celebrity. This is King Curtis. He had, he's the one that says, uh, chicken nuggets are my family. (laughs) He said, she acts like I'm the queen and we the sorry people. And he walks off at one point. There's his little uh, suitcase. Yeah, and he's he says, gone. You're never going to see this face again. So King Curtis is really the king of my heart. I absolutely adore him. But yeah, he was on a very early season of Wife Swap. He's my spirit animal. He's amazing. Bacon I love is, him. Yeah, everything. He's great. You can't find the episode anywhere, but you can see clips. Oh, wow. Yeah, I saw some old clips, including the one Charles and Diana were on. And it looks so bad and so dated. Yeah. So... Everybody here knows the concept of switching wives, right? So this is another British first show that came to America after, which surprised me. Two sets of spouses swap, (laughs) and they live each other's lives. Usually they're from different socioeconomic backgrounds or completely different lifestyles to kind of up the stakes and the conflict potential. In the case of Charles and Diana, they were paired up with a fairly well-known couple. Have you ever heard of Jade Goody? Um, I know the name. Couldn't tell you anything. I get her Katie Price for some reason those are like the two UK celebrities I know interesting I don't know who that is I think UK listeners will have heard of Jade Goody she was a well-known contestant on Big Brother she did very well she didn't win but after that she kind of leveraged her fame and and went on to do other reality shows and she was known for being kind of a straightforward brash she was not filtered Okay. (laughs) Um, so she's dating a guy Jeff we meet her in this celebrity white swap with um, Charles and Diana, and they've only known each other a few weeks, but they were pregnant with their first child. They're the ones that swap. So Charles and Diana are like, what I would say are like quintessentially British. They're just like a little buttoned up, stodgy, Mm -hmm. um, like super just like English. And she's a little more like brash, like loud mouth, probably from a very different area of England. From Essex, the only way. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) If you say so. So they end up switching and she's just like, is it with the cheetahs? Am I going to be with the, (laughs) you know, and she's like going on the show because she's like, I have a feeling and it is just amazing. Tragically, shortly after this show, she would be diagnosed with cervical cancer and she ends up allowing a lot of her life to be filmed in order to advocate for early detection. She was young. She died. She was only 27 and she left behind two little boys and she also did all this filming to make as much money as possible to leave to the kids. So right. she's kind of redeemed herself. She had one little bad incident. This is like a total sidebar where 
one of her comments came across as racist. I didn't bother to watch it or read too much about it, but the country kind of turned on her. Then she got sick and she started doing all this advocacy work. So I think she kind of had a redemption story and died with people thinking she was a really brave young woman who talked about things people weren't talking about, like cervical cancer and young women. So, so sad. So also... I am surprised that they are allowed to be on reality shows. I know there's no prize money in Celebrity Wife Swap, but there were in the other ones like Fear Factor and Weakest Link. I think you can win stuff. So I'm shocked that that's not part of their penalty. Right. It's also just in bad taste, but I think they were really desperate for appearance money. And, you know, they got, I think, 10 grand to be on this Wife Swap show. Yeah. I can imagine even the judge would be like, well, these people have to make money. Nobody's hiring them. Whoever wants to hire them. So they I can guess pay this so. stuff off. I'm just surprised, but yeah, I guess you're right. According to Entertainment UK, they were offered one million pounds if they confessed to cheating and could print the story, but they would not do it. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So all these years later, they maintain their innocence. Charles did write two novels after the fact. In 2006, he wrote a book called The Network. In 2007, Deep Siege. I think they're both um, like war-ish okay. crime novels, which gives me super Michael Peterson vibes. Yeah. He did that. Now, the couple lives a quiet life as of right now, from what I can tell. I think they're in Bath, England, which is a beautiful place. And I don't know if Charles ever found full-time gainful employment, but I do know that Diana has a website com selling jewelry okay. uh, online and at a market. And you can be sure I perused it. Uh, jewelry's not my style. Uh, Was it a little Sister Wives, My Sister Wife's Closet style? You took the vibes. words out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. It's lots of hearts on chains. Ooh, and I was just favorite. about to X out and it said, not into the jewelry. How about hand poured candles and vintage pots? I'm like, ooh, now Why? you're speaking my language. Why is everyone trying to become Jan Levinson Gould? Everyone is on the candle train. Uh, yes, Wendy from Real Housewives Potomac. of Potomac. Yeah, we're all trying to get our candles out there. Well, sp- really, Wendy, I'm so glad you're bringing this up because she got the boobs. She got the candles just like Jan. She's Janning. Yeah, no, she's fully making candles now. And I'm not going to lie. I was like, what's the pound British, you know, euro <laughs> dollar conversion? But I haven't decided if they cheated or not. Once I've confirmed they did not cheat, maybe I will buy a candle. As of January of this year, they are working on an appeal. They have a new lawyer, and she says it is absolute lunacy that they were ever convicted. The case is full of holes, and she will overturn their conviction. Wow. So that's essentially the story of Charles and Diana. I just, well, the reality, not royal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Charles and Diana. I want to make note of all the ways this story has infiltrated pop culture, mostly over there, of course. There was a book written by James Plaskett called Bad Show, The Quiz, The Cough, The Millionaire Major. There was a play written by James Graham called Quiz. There was a documentary called Major Fraud, which is my favorite. I like that, yeah. Then there was an AMC documentary last year called Quiz, three-part series. I watched this one. It is very good. So it's a dramatized version. And the wife, Diana Ingram, is played by, I think her name would be Sean. It's S-I-A-N. I don't know how you would say that. I feel like it's Gaelic or something. And then it might be Sean Clifford. Okay. Could be Cyan. I don't know. Sean Clifford. I like so your she- panicking over the pronunciations. When I don't think anyone expects us to get it right. Uh, that's where I'm like, oh. never expect me to get it right. And then when I get it right, people are think I'm a genius. Pleasantly they think surprised. I'm that's such a better strategy. Yeah. Yeah. You should think I'm an idiot. hot seat. Yeah, I'm like 
so positive I'm already leading with idiocy that I'm like, let me just oh, try no, and salvage. No, 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 no. <laughs> I start at the bottom and now you're here, but I just stay here. <laughs> no, that's actually really smart because you'll never have to wonder if you can say, you know, started from the bottom. Now we're here. We're just always here. Yeah, I'll always There's here. There's no always at the bottom, maybe lower. <laughs> Starting I don't Starting at the bottom, staying here. <laughs> T-shirt. There you okay. go. So um, she, the actress who played her, is so fantastic. Did you watch Fleabag? I did watch Fleabag. Mm-hmm. She is Fleabag's sister. Oh, okay. She's so good. And I don't have a picture for you, but I will put it on Instagram. The real Diana Ingram, this actress, Sean Clifford, mm-hmm. like brilliant casting. It is so good. And my favorite quote from this dramatized series on AMC is um, during this pitch scene where he's like, this is going to be the show. Right. And he's like, people love a good pub quiz. It's a uniquely British invention combining our two greatest loves, drinking and being right. And I was just <laughs> like, that is so beautiful. Um, but it's really good. And it's definitely filmed and portrayed slanted towards their innocence, which oh, okay. was really cool to watch because it made me cast doubt on the whole story. Right. I think it's definitely written with that kind of, we know more now than we did 20 years ago feeling sure. like wrongful convictions do happen. Maybe this is one of them. Um, but I highly recommend watching it. And yeah. I just loved this story. And that is the story of what I would love to call Coughgate. Yeah. <laughs> but it's absolutely not what anyone calls it. That's so fascinating. So I knew a little about this story, not a whole lot. But the interesting thing to me is I wonder if he would have ever been caught if this all took place on night night two stuff, if it was just the entire time, right? So if he already had this plan in place and there were coughs and it wasn't like a different person playing the second night. Such a good question. I really do wonder if that break, that regrouping that he did mentally and the distinct difference between the two like performances, quote unquote, right. it became so glaring. Uh, if he didn't have that time to kind of do that, make that switch, switch gears, I don't know. She also called him, I think, Tequin, between the two tapings. Oh. Oh, no, no, no. I think it was before tape one. So that's actually probably not true. Oh, okay. Um, also, I read somewhere that Charles was devastated when he found out Diana had called Tequin. He did not know that. Which oh. to me is a point in their guilt or maybe just hers. Yeah. <laughs> like, but he had to have known. Like, right. Actually, how would so he never have answered. Mind. Yeah. How would he have answered? And did Tequan ever say, "I yeah, they they told me they would give me this much no, if they want? No, he maintains he, his innocence. Whoa. He says, I just cough. I just wanted to be. Oh, really fun, though. He ended up getting in the hot seat not long after Charles didn't cough once in the hot seat. Really? This uncontrollable hay fever induced and the lawyer went on a lot about how the studio you know could enhance like the dryness who knows the air it's cold whatever the coughs he didn't cough at all when he was on the show he says it's because he drank a lot of water up there um why wouldn't you do that every day then exactly so I, i don't know but um it doesn't look good for them i feel like more likely than not they they did conspire but it is a long time to maintain your innocence it is and especially if he's not turning on them, because I would think very easily he could have said, he, I don't, I didn't do that. Or, you know, they told me to do this. What kind of deal can I get to exactly. turn on them? Yeah, that's, that's kind of my hold up there, really. 
yeah, that maybe is the only reasonable doubt. So yeah, that's that's their story. Whoa. And it's a weird one and it's a really fun one. Yeah. And like we've learned, once you start on one reality show, you go on all of them. So um, Melissa, I'll have to post on Instagram the length of their TV appearances Please is mind boggling. There are so many shows that I am certain even you have not heard of. I I believe you. <laughs> and they've been on all of them. It's wow. wild. So yeah. yeah. Maybe one called It's Wild. That sounds like right up their alley. Well, yeah, or yeah. What would Charles Ingram do? You know, no. spirit of Ryan Lochte. Like, he will give them a show. They don't have the Kardashians anymore. They're really fishing. They gotta get exactly. They gotta get something. Gotta get yeah. something going. So, that was awesome, Rebecca. I enjoyed thanks. that. It was really fun. Um, so I watched that AMC's quiz, but mm-hmm. um, I'm sure I watched other things, but I, I have a feeling you must have watched something since oh, last Rebecca. we talked too. Can you tell me? I've watched a couple things, so I actually had to struggle to uh, come Same. up with this because I was out of town, so I like had time that I don't normally have. Extra time. I would have still watched. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, okay, so I have three clues for you. Okay. Um, are we saying that Okay, I'm going to say HBO Max. I'll start with HBO Max. Duh. I don't even know why that's a clue anymore. Yeah. I know. My next one is Flower. And... I can guess. Go ahead. Well, do you want to say your clues? No, no, go ahead. And then I'll I'll say Is it it. White Lotus? It's White Lotus. Yeah. That's mine. Dang it. (laughs) I had a feeling. I'm like, I think we are going to have a crossover. Wait, what was our first crossover when we were watching the same... Oh, Mary Town. Nope, Hacks. Yeah. (laughs) HBO is our love language, I guess. I think so. It's okay. What do you think of it? I am obsessed with it. I absolutely <sighs> love it. Do you want to break down the? Um, no, you what first. It, is? it was your turn. I've oh, talked way too much. Well, don't let me do this part. <laughs> um, it's a show on HBO. Molly Shannon is on there. I adore her in this. This is like her revival. We're we're. Basically, this is a Molly Shannon stan podcast at this point. She is so great in it. So is Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge. Yes, Jennifer Coolidge is um, remarkable. I don't know. Whatever. Transcendent, oh, I think, is what the go. Oscars would call her. I know yeah, it's not a movie. But again, I'm down here. Um, no, so, <laughs> so no, but you know remarkable. what's so great about her performance is like it's quintessentially her, but it's yeah. different. There's like... She's not playing for laughs as much as she usually does. She isn't so much of a caricature. There's like this like sadness to her character. For sure. But still that like levity and loopiness. Mm-hmm. She's so good. Oh, yeah. It, so I good. almost wonder if she was given lines or she just walked on and they were like, just let her do whatever. And you guys play off of what she's doing. It it could very well be she is that talented. Yeah. She could pull that off. And it does have a very organic, uncomfortable Uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the show is so different. That's why it I'm is. loving it. And it even has that different music where you you feel like it's a different kind of show, right? Where it's just kind of this haunting, I don't know. I don't know how I would even describe it. No, like I think fun, that's a great way to describe it. Fun it's haunting got sound. Yeah. super spooky. spooky haunting vibes. is a great word. And actually, this feels like a beautiful full circle to the beginning of the episode where we talked about the music and lighting was so different for who wants to be a millionaire? It's this show too, like the beginning patterns, like those beautiful Hawaiian kind of textiles they show right. in the intro. I just think the show is super unique, but we it still is. haven't described it for anyone who hasn't watched Go it. Go ahead. I'm going to let no, you do that. Really, this is, please don't make me do that. I didn't actually put this in my notes, so I'm going off the cuff here, but um, it's a, a destination show. We're at a Hawaiian resort and it's sort of the 
interactions between the hotel resort staff and various guests, right. all of whom are not connected in any way, but become intertwined yeah. through various interactions. And there's just this foreboding feeling the entire show, and you don't know why. I have barely found one character I genuinely like. Right? Oh, yeah. Aren't they all pretty despicable? Yeah, the, Rachel is ex- my favorite, I think. Um, Even she has moments, but yeah, she's yeah. relatable. I think she's supposed to be like the... Oh, Connie Britton. We didn't even talk oh, about Connie Oh, Connie Britton. Britton is amazing in this. Um, Steve Zahn, it was good to see him in something, right? He's so He's good. He's so good. Um, the other character that's redeemable, I don't know her name as an actress, but she's the spa manager. Yeah, yeah. I can't The White remember. Lotus Resort. Mm-hmm. She's a likable person. Very. So basically, it's like a bunch of people, their relationship troubles, they're in paradise, but like everything's not really paradise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really good. And I feel like something big is going to happen. I don't know if I should say. Yeah. Is that already the finale? The uh, next week is the finale. So by the time (sighs) you listen to this, it's a couple days to the finale. So yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy you're loving it. I'm I'm also just, I'm like, it's really takes you away. It's like a really cool experience to watch it. Similar to uh, Mayor of Easttown where you're looking forward, like you just cannot wait until that next episode. So it'll be hard when this is over, but I've enjoyed it. I cannot stand the one guy who's married to Rachel. I can't think of his name. He played Pete on Um, The Office. Shane. Yeah. Shane? Maybe. He's Sean or Shane, something like that. Yeah. The worst. He's the epitome of just like toxic masculinity, male privilege. He's a bro in the bad sense. He's a bro. Yeah. He's the worst. I have to say my only criticism of the show is probably Rachel and Shane's relationship because I'm like, she is way too smart, gorgeous, and with it to be with him. Like, how is she just figuring out what a royal yeah. angle he is? Well, like, I don't get it. They haven't been together very long, right? I think that no. was part of it. That's where I kind of thought, okay, well, I'll give her a little bit of grace there because it it seems like it's been a very, like, a whirlwind. And it seems like maybe she started seeing things and then this trip was like, oh, this is too much yeah you're probably right I'm just like I don't get it it's not like she's of an age where she's like it's now or never like she's she's very young she has like her whole life I don't get it but I think there's something to the security and like whatever but yeah I am like girl run yeah yeah for sure yeah I'm so excited I had a feeling that we would both be doing this one this week me Um, too me too yeah but there's there's always next week and unless (laughs) HBO Max releases another show it'll probably be different shows we watch next week We'll see, but add um, quiz to the list because I think you'll really like I it. Will. It's just three parts. Okay. And and what I'm really dying to know is what we might be talking about next time. Do you have clues for me? For that? I have clues for you. Okay. Yay. So my clues are actually all female names. And so they together Ooh. make sense, um, but separately... No, I think I think there will be people that get this for sure. Okay. People, I love that you're like, I, not me. <laughs> well, I don't know because I just don't know. You might. Okay. okay. Ready? First clue mm-hmm. is Adrian. Mm-hmm. Second clue is Audrina. And the third clue is Maggie May. Okay. Audrina is giving me like Laguna Hills vibes. Okay. Um but it's not the bling ring because we did that. She not was a the bling, ring. Of bling ring. No. Nope. Okay. Maggie May. Yeah, and it's that nobody that's too. in this. Right. It's but they're adjacent. Hmm. Okay. I hate this part because I already can see the comments of like, Rebecca, how did you not get that? No, no, and no. I'm like, I, I am in the hot seat here. That's what people don't understand. Yeah. Look at all the lights. <laughs> the noise. <laughs> the, the ring. <laughs> 
So Maggie May looks around credits. <laughs> um, yeah, I got nothing. So I can't wait. I think it'll, I'm, I'm excited. This is always my favorite part. I know it's yours too, where you're done with your episode. Yeah. You can just focus on the next person's and then like start thinking about what you're going to do next. Right. It's just like I could just float on out of here. <laughs> there you go. And I'll be drug out of here, down here. Down um, here. Stay down, down here. here. <laughs> we're starting from the bottom and we're staying here. Staying here. This was super fun. Let's do it yeah. again some other time. Two oh, weeks. In two weeks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter if you aren't already. We are at Criminality Show. And Melissa, you can find every Tuesday on her other podcast, Moms and Murder. Yay. And Rebecca, you can find her on Dialogue, which are we still on hiatus or? Nope. We are in a summer series for a couple summer of weeks. Uh, we release on Wednesdays. And then there will be an announcement in a couple of weeks about what's next. All right. I'm excited. Yay. Uh, talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Criminality. If you're enjoying the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and give the show a rating and review. The reality is it would be a crime to keep your thoughts to yourself. And come join the fun outside of the podcast and follow us on social media. We are at Criminality Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Memes are welcome. We'll see you in two weeks with a new episode. Until then, you can catch my co-host Melissa on her weekly show, Moms and Murder and Rebecca Sebastian on her podcast, Dialogue, a true crime conversation. Don't forget, loving reality isn't a crime.